Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. On today's show, we've got our reactions from Media Day across the NBA, including LeBron tempering expectations in Los Angeles. There are plenty of new faces and plenty of new places, and we'll talk about the biggest takeaways as we approach the start of the season. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. Locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for Fansided. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Rommel, credentialed NBA writer, covers the league at large for Fansided. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRommel13. So David and I, we were both on the road on Monday covering different media days. I was in Oakland. David, you were in Miami um, covering the Heat. We'll get to our takeaways from two interesting media days that we were both able to cover. But let's start in Los Angeles where LeBron James used his time with reporters to manage expectations for his new team. What's your expectations as a man who's measured by championships? Uh, well, my expectation um, you know, is to try to get better every single day. Um, you know, I don't... I don't. I don't expect nothing. You you work for what you want, and uh, you can't expect anything. I think that's that's all. For me, it's all part of the process. And um, you know, we don't know. It's the unknown. The unknown is, um, you know, what to expect at the end of the road. So I don't. I don't ever base um, anything off of that. Uh, you know, what I know I can bring to the table is, you know, being committed to you know having excellence. Um, you know, every single day from a mindset standpoint and from you know how I prepare. Uh, to go out and play, so, uh, you know, everything else take care of itself. Look, LeBron is really tempering expectations there. This is a guy who has been to eight straight NBA Finals, always has championship aspirations, but this is a new team with new players, some young players like Lonzo Ball and those guys, some vets, uh, or I don't know what you would call Michael Beasley, but this is not unlike when he joined the Cavs for that second time, right, and said success wouldn't be immediate. Kept saying that, but only... It was immediate. They got to the finals that first year, and so you kind of right. get those expectations every year after that. And eventually LeBron leaves that situation. Now he's in L.A. Obviously, he's in now the same conference as the Warriors, so it's a little bit harder to get to the finals. Nobody really expects him to do that this year. But what are your thoughts on him, again, trying to kind of temper expectations and, not, and, and kind of just dodging the question completely about getting another championship? I think it's a sign of maturity or perhaps understanding that uh, he's he's realized that he'll he might not necessarily compete for championships anymore. Um, certainly not this year. And I think, you know, Lakers fans might disagree, but I don't think this roster is currently constructed as a realistic title contender, specifically because Golden State is much better uh, than than they were last year. Even they had added a superstar talent and, and DeMarcus Cousins, and they're only going to continue to get better with another year of continuity. And so barring any injury, I don't see Golden State. I don't see any team legitimately challenging Golden State for that title. Um, and, and they're no longer, you know, LeBron is no longer in the Eastern conference. So I think it's realistic for him to say, you know what, with this young roster or with this, let's say unusual roster of young talent and some fringe veterans, uh, I don't know that they're necessarily a championship caliber team. This year is not the, the, the year for the Lakers to compete for a championship. Now that might all change next year. If they can add a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard or anybody else, obviously then 
those expectations are different. You know, in Miami, there were immediate expectations. This was, if not the, the first big three, it was a very potent one with the best player, you know, inarguably the best player in the league and LeBron James signing with two other top 10, two top 15 players in Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. Um, their expectations were for titles right away. In Cleveland, you know, he, he saw how difficult it was to mesh talent. It's not necessarily about getting talent on the roster. It's about figuring out how to mesh it with your your role players and your fringe players. The guys in the on the Lakers roster aren't ready to compete at that level yet. They're still learning. They're still understanding the game. You know, Brennan Ingram might be very, very talented, but, you know, that's going to take some time for him to develop and understand. And specifically, a piece you wrote, I think, a couple of seasons ago now, but it was a really, really eye-opening for me was how difficult it is for these role players to come in and play alongside LeBron James because he changes the calculus considerably. It's not and it's not your typical superstar or, or your, your, your high-usage player. He changes the dynamic of how a team is run. And so for the, the Lakers and these young players who are, you know, they've gone through – many different iterations over the last few years where they weren't really competing for a whole heck of a lot, you know, and they were, they were basically tanking or prolonged tank for the last couple of seasons. Now all of a sudden that changes dramatically with LeBron. You have to understand where to be positioned, how to play defense at a high level, how to complement LeBron because he is what drives this team. He is the straw that stirs the drink. And so that's going to be very, very difficult to understand and grow and mesh right away. So I think this is really Again, a mature approach from LeBron to say, look, a title isn't realistic. It's about getting better. And I think that's what the Lakers are going to do. They're absolutely going to improve from where they were over the last few seasons. But a title is probably still out of reach. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the Miami Heat experience, right? Because I think this is as, his, this quote, this, if you pull this quote out, it is much a, it's as much a reaction to that first year, that basically, you know, premature championship parade that they threw uh, when they got together in 2010. It's as much a reaction to that as it is to this roster. Because he saw the backlash. And he, and the Heat ultimately crumbled under that expectation that they basically created for themselves that first year, right? And look, LeBron choked in in those 2010 finals. There's no, you can't get around it. I mean, he did not play well at all. And a lot of that was because of the expectations that he just, that, that team crumbled them. It was, to me, I've always said this, it's amazing. You look at the talent, you're like, of course they should have gotten to the finals. They should have beaten the Mavericks. And they're, you're probably, people that say that are probably right, but I think it's it's amazing having, you know, sort of lived through that season every, you know, with every, all 82 games and the whole playoffs and everything, that whole process. I think it's amazing that they just got to the finals with as much pressure and stress and, and backlash that they were dealing with every single day um, in the media circus that was covering them. So this is his reaction to that, is saying like, and we and this is it's basically been his mo ever since then is to basically manage expectations. They lost the finals. They didn't in 2010 or 2011. Going into that next year, did not say that they were going to win one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rings. They just like let's just they manage expectations. You know that year, he goes to Cleveland, says it's going to be a process. Success will not be immediate. Tried to manage expectations again that year and kept doing it. That was always his motto. That was always his line. And now with a new team with the Lakers, a young team, like you mentioned, doing it again. So this isn't new. This is actually, this is how LeBron rolls. He just bring expectations down and then, look, you, you manage expectations low. And if you over-deliver, you over-deliver. And that's great. Um, and chances are the Lakers are going to go out and win 50 games this year just because they have LeBron James and a bunch of talent on the roster 
who knows how Luke Walton works all that talent. Who knows, you know, how that talent reacts to LeBron James. But they're going to be good. They're not going to beat the Warriors. And they'll be better than they were last year. One thing I do want to talk about, though, is guys like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. I do wonder how close this team is to being a, a real contender. Like, I'm not ready to call... Let's not focus so much on, okay, can they beat the Warriors? Can they not beat the Warriors? But can they be on that that Houston level, right? That, to me, is that that's where you got to aspire to. Um, how yeah, far it's, away it's easy are they? to be a yeah. It's easy to be a really good player on a really bad team, which is where right. the Lakers have been for the last couple of years. And even then, I don't know that these players were really, really good. They showed promise, and there was plenty of flashes of potential. Doing that consistently over the course of a season is a lot harder. And I think that's where the challenge lies. Is that I don't know that they're necessarily capable of that. We and saw we saw a guy like Kyrie Irving though take a leap though playing next right. to LeBron when he didn't have to basically be the entire offense. I wonder if a guy like, to me, the guy that could do that is Brandon Ingram, right? There's a yeah, lot of eyes on right. Lonzo Ball, and there's reports now that Rondo is going to be starting over Lonzo Ball, which I think is a major mistake, but whatever. Um, well, I think it's injury-related still at this point. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Ingram, to me, though, is the guy, right? Because before he had to create a lot of his own looks, he's going to benefit a lot by playing next to LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, his versatility, his skill set, you know, the, I think uh, the fact that he can play at a pretty high level and we started to see flashes of him as a playmaker last year, as a, a potent scorer uh, and, and a capable defender. He's still a little undersized and I think that's still going to be the, a, a problem, uh, you know, but there, he's tall enough, rangy enough where he can make up for that and quick enough, I think, also. So there's there's expectations there and I think rightfully so because he is a high draft pick. And uh, hopefully he can live up to those. And I think definitely playing alongside LeBron helps you to reach another level. Uh, you know, it'll change your game. The, the person that you were the season before is not going to be this player. You look only to Kevin Love in Minnesota mm-hmm. or Chris Bosh in Toronto. You have to learn how to play alongside LeBron and how to complement him best. And that, if that means learning a new skill or changing your the, your approach to the game, then so be it. But it's it's going to help you get to a higher level. And it's going to help the team achieve greater success. So you certainly make that sacrifice. And playing with all that media attention sort of forces you to, to grow up a little bit. And look, yes. the Warriors have been dealing with that circus. Last year, the Warriors media day felt like a circus. But this year, it had a different feel. We'll talk about that next. But first, Locked on NFL is becoming a favorite daily NFL podcast. On Monday, we've got the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. On Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins host Matt Williamson, who will have some of the best voices in football on throughout the week before making his picks on Fridays. So if you're looking for a daily NFL podcast, subscribe to Locked on NFL on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen. At the time of recording this, the Jimmy Butler situation still hasn't been settled. We'll talk about that later, but I want to talk about Warriors Media Day because if LeBron is going to win another championship. He's going to have to go through the Warriors, one way or another, right? Either sure. this Warriors or the Warriors without Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or whatever. Last season, the Warriors were almost weighed down by the, the expectations to repeat. They did it, but what came it became abundantly clear at Media Day, David, that they didn't enjoy last season at all. And I, I kind of think about what David West was talking about in that really vague quote after the year, like, you don't know what we've been through. And people are like, oh, what happened? Did, some, did somebody get into a fight in the locker room? I think it was just like, no, they just didn't like playing last season. They just didn't enjoy it. Um, but again, they did it. They they repeated. They won the title. But this year, the message is all about trying to 
quote-unquote, enjoy the moment. Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and almost every player talked about it. Uh, they were also very open about the fact that this could be the last year that they all play together. So that's why they're trying to enjoy the moment. Kevin Durant, he's going to be a free agent. Clay Thompson could enter the market. Now, all this is easier said than done during the grind of a regular season. But I actually think there's some truth to it. LeBron being in L.A. attracts a lot of attention. There's a lot of people paying attention to see who comes out of the East now, you know, with Boston and Philadelphia sort of being propped up as the next ones. It's weird, but I kind of feel like the Warriors are flying under the radar a little bit. Well, I don't know if flying under the radar is appropriate, but at the same time, I guess you already know what to expect from them. I mean, the, obviously the biggest challenge will be how they incorporate DeMarcus Cousins, but as long as Durant and Curry are there, it might be more of a, a fatigue syndrome kind of thing. Like, what else are we going to see from the Warriors that we haven't seen? Right, oh, that's, look, the thing. They, they, that's the thing. I mean, it's they, there's not nearly the media attention on them as much. And they, they were asked, like, do you feel like LeBron going to L.A.? is distracting from you guys and they were like yeah 100 percent. we don't feel like it's nearly the circus as it was last year and basically because they said the same thing you just said people know what we are they've seen the movie before right right so i mean i think that helps them undoubtedly i think uh you know they want to be a little bit look you know they're nba players but they've also gotten a lot of attention over the course of their lives and I think they like it. I think that's just how they're wired to kind of appreciate some of that attention. You kind of get used to it. But it can be daunting after a prolonged period of time. We've seen that with uh, LeBron's heat four-year run. We saw it with LeBron's four-year run in Cleveland. It gets very tiresome to have all the scrutiny all the time. It's not just about in the locker room. It's not just on every city. There's the Steph Curry show pregame. There's you know, finding out about Andre Iguodala's Silicon Valley interests and so on and so forth. It's just, it's continuous and constant. And that gets tiresome for any human being. And that's the thing that we have to consider is that we often forget that it's a team of, of human beings that share a lot of their lives together. And that can be overwhelming. You know, you always want some private time to yourself to step away from coworkers. You don't get that. You're traveling from Oakland to, you know, Cleveland to Boston to Philadelphia, back to Minnesota, then back to Oakland. It's, it, you know, it, your lives are intertwined, and, and that's a lot to take. And so you kind of need to pause and hit the refresher button. And uh, it seems like they've done that. And, you know, obviously you have your finger on that pulse a lot more readily than I do. But it seemed like it was a little bit more carefree. And you could chalk that all up to media day. You know, there's 30 teams that are incredibly optimistic moving forward with a season, well, maybe not in Minnesota, but 29 and a half teams, let's say, that are really optimistic about the start of the season. And I think, you know, Golden State reflects that as well. So I, I'm expecting them to be a little bit more relaxed, not necessarily have their foot on the gas uh, 100% of the time. Maybe they won't be the the top seed in the Western Conference. Maybe they'll slip to uh, Houston. I would not but at be the surprised. same time, I don't think it matters either. You right. know, you look at the Houston Rockets from a few years ago, or the Heat teams, or Cleveland. It was not about being the first seed. It's about what you do in the playoffs, and I think that makes sense, a lot of sense. And, and look, you you touched on a major point there. Everybody is optimistic after media day, right? Oh yeah, you're saying all the right things. Like Charlotte, they're talking about how they're going to play a fast pace. Like everybody, yeah. it comes. Everybody's talking about how they want to play faster. They're going to play more fast paced, more ball movement, more player movement basketball. That's like the line everywhere but then you know sneakers hit the court and you start actually playing basketball during an 82 game stretch of a regular season and all of a sudden that pace and that ball movement that and player movement that was you were talking about media day disappears you're like what happened to it well basketball started that's what happened to it um and then you're just not good at this so i think that yeah there's part of it but it does 
to me, there is an effort there by the Warriors, and that was what kind of struck me as interesting, is Bob Myers was the first guy to speak at Media Day, and he said, this season is about enjoying the moment. We're not going to talk about how hard it is to repeat. He said that. And Steve Kerr, next guy up, basically said the same thing. These yeah. guys, Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, met, they, and they were very open. They basically talked about this. They were like, we need to make this the message. Like, there is a, there is a theme to this season, and it's in stark contrast to what... You know, talking to the Warriors last year, it was always, you know, how many times have you did did Steve Kerr complain about we're turning the ball too over too much, we're playing too carelessly, like you know we're making dumb mistakes, only we can beat ourselves, and all this stuff, and that was sort of the marching orders, like let's not beat ourselves, and it it became a grind, and Steve Kerr was in despite coaching obviously the best team in the league, obviously the team that just was going to win the finals regardless. Um, I don't think they played a great. I don't think they played any of their best games in the finals anyway, and they still swept the Cavaliers. Yeah. Um, they were gonna win, and there, but there was still this kind of like darkness and sure to the team. It's just like the stress, and like they're just like they were trying to live up to these weird expectations. Like they didn't only have to win the finals; they had to be like the greatest team ever. And they're sort of now coming off of that, and it's like, look, we're super good. Like. We're like really, really good, and it might be the last year that we're this good. But we right now are this good, and let's just try to enjoy that, like because basically, and they can afford it because they're gonna win the finals again this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100. percent Look, last year was really tough. I've written about it. I talked to Steve Kerr about it. The the biggest challenge they faced was themselves. You know, trying to get geared up for every game and trying to find motivation because. At one point, you're just like, well, we can beat anybody and everybody. It's not really all that important. And we're still trying to find a reason to keep going through the slow of the regular season. You know, it's it's very, very difficult and tiresome, as we talked about. So um, this more relaxed team might be ultimately more dangerous in that sense. And that right. if they're starting to really appreciate it, they might not necessarily win the most games. But again, if it's not a priority for them, it's all about focusing on, on the long game. And I think that's where you could see the best, most dangerous version. Now, of course, so you want to see them trending in the right direction over the course of the year as far as having good habits. A lot of coaches have talked about that before. It's not just about flipping the switch in the postseason. You want to have those habits firmly entrenched over the course of the regular season. So it's not to say that they won't be building towards something, but they might sacrifice a game in February or November that Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter as much so long as they get to be the best, happiest version of themselves in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, and they, they talked about the fact, like, a guy like Jonas Terekpo, who they signed, and they're very excited to have him there, but Steve Kerr was talking about how he could not play one game, but he could be starting the next game, which is sort of hinting, right. like, we might just, Greg Popovich is saying, just rest our starters for certain games, and just, like, just, Draymond Green, don't worry about, you know, showing up tonight. Like, Drepko's got your job tonight, like, and that's great. Um, and then, Can I go back to something, though? Sure. I, I mean, and not to change the topic too much. But with this kind of understanding that they're going to appreciate the moment, do you think there's a recognition there that this team isn't going to be together next year? Like it's players like always that. know about it. Yeah, it, it is. It does. I would right? say. That's a, I would say that really, it's Clay Thompson's going to be there. Um, it's all about Durant, and I think right now, I don't think Durant knows. But there is there is that was I'm glad you mentioned that because there was a feeling there like they everybody kind of feels like yeah this is gonna be the last this, this is gonna be the last version of this team I think every I don't know man I'm I'm not breaking news here I'm not reporting anything I'm just telling you how I felt and how I felt the players felt and I I think it's like fifty fifty at this point that Durant is 
on the Warriors next year are gone somewhere else. I'm telling you, I think the the idea of maybe uh, going to play with LeBron in L.A. or play with Jimmy Butler somewhere else or play with Kyrie Irving somewhere else or maybe like in New York, I don't know. I just... These guys talked a lot about like their in their like intermediate goals throughout the season. Like Boogie coming back is like basically I think Steph Curry basically was saying you need to break it you you break your your season out in quarters almost and you need to just have a goal every quarter. You know, like every, you know, 10, 20 games or so you have a different goal and at some point maybe in the third quarter of the regular season, DeMarcus getting DeMarcus Cousins acclimated is going to be one of the goals. And everybody taught like Clay Thompson. I want he wants to make the 50-40-90 club. Uh, you know, the, everybody's got their individual goals. But for Durant, when I asked about his goals, he was like, "I just want to play ball. Like I just I want to hoop." And he's just like a madman when it comes to just playing basketball. And he just I think his goal is just to have as much fun possible playing basketball. And after this year, he might just decide it's not that much fun doing this anymore. I'm gonna go do it with Kyrie Irving in with the Knicks or wherever. You know, like it just might be another way to have more fun playing basketball. So, um, anyway, you were at a media day in Miami, uh, as the Heat may shake up its roster before the season, and we'll talk about that next, but first, Locked On NBA is here for you every day, not just Tuesdays with us, every Monday get the local experts on the biggest stories, and then stay with Locked On NBA all week long for daily 30-minute episodes on everything going on in the league. Follow for free on your favorite podcast app, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On NBA. David, you were in Miami on Monday covering the Heat's media day. Obviously, they've been very involved in trade talks with Minnesota for Jimmy Butler. And now we've got reports that the Phoenix Suns and Sacramento Kings could get involved in order to help facilitate the trade in exchange for draft picks or other assets or whatever they're looking for. There's been a lot of noise out of Minnesota, but it's clear it's a matter of when, not if, Butler gets traded. Do you think? Where do you see this, not only with the Heat, right, because you were able to see them up close and in person on Monday, but just the Butler situation in general, especially when it gets to guys like Phoenix and Sacramento getting involved, which if you pay attention to Miami's trade history, they like to get other... It's never an easy trade for Miami. They like to get other teams involved all the time. So this starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's a very good chance that Miami's been very, very aggressive. We've heard reports about this. We had talked about this as we started hearing these inklings, these rumors first starting to manifest we knew that Butler was a guy that had been on Miami's radar for some time. Obviously, there was a connection there with Dwayne Wade. So clearly, they were going to get involved as much as they possibly could. Now, there are limitations. Obviously, they have a lot of high-price uh, high tag you know, players, a lot of big contracts, not as easy to move. But then when you start to hear that these other teams, Sacramento and Phoenix, are involved as trade partners, it makes a lot of sense. And, and Pat Riley isn't afraid to make a big splash. He's still on record for helping to coordinate the biggest trade in NBA history back mm-hmm. in 2005. And it paid off because they won a title later on that year alongside Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade. So uh, we could certainly expect to see something big happen over the next few days. Uh, it's starting to build towards something. It didn't seem that obvious at media day, but obviously there's a lot of you know talk. And when there's this much talk, you, you kind of start to think, it's something's going to happen sooner rather than later. So, you know, players were at practice today. Everybody was involved, except for Dion Waiters and James Johnson, who are nursing injuries. But for the most part, they're moving forward with this roster is currently constructed. But I wouldn't be surprised to see something big happen over the next day or two. And this is where, you know, teams like Phoenix and Sacramento, who have so much cap space, Sacramento can actually take on um, a player and not give any salary back and still, you know, maintain. they have the cap space to do that in exchange for probably draft picks, I'd imagine, that they're looking for, unless 
you know, I, I don't think that Minnesota or Miami would attach a young player to a big contract. And I don't think Sacramento. I think Sacramento would prefer having the draft pick than the than the player um, at this yeah. point. But uh, Phoenix could get involved. They'd probably have to get more salary involved, like where Sacramento could just absorb a big like Gorgie Jang salary or something like that, um, and not have to I've give heard. up any salary. Phoenix would probably have to give up a little bit more salary, but they've got enough room to play with. Yeah, the Suns are, you know, we've talked about this before, needing a, a point guard or needing somebody mm-hmm. to fill that role. Tyus Jones, I think, is somebody that they've mm-hmm. talked about as, a, as an option. So I'm curious to see how that works out, too. Yeah, or like even a, a, a Jeff Teague, if right. Minnesota's not enamored with him and if Phoenix wants to take on that $19 million contract, uh, who knows? But, um, you know, the guys, Phoenix has some interesting contracts, too. They've got a lot of one-year deals like a Tyson, like Tyson Chandler and stuff like that that they can move to help facilitate trades as well. So... Both, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them were. I actually, it makes more sense than not. You know, if you do some trade machine play to get one of these two teams involved, because they could really. I don't think any of them really want Jimmy Butler. Like I could see Sacramento just swinging for the fences for Jimmy Butler, maybe. Uh, mm. But I think both of those teams understand that they have a slim to none chance that Jimmy Butler would resign there. Um, and I do think that Sacramento, as much of a mess as that front office has been, is taking more of a long view as of late. Um, so I don't think any of them are really actively trying to get into the Jimmy Butler sweepstakes, but maybe just trying to get a little bonus off of the core trade that happens between Minnesota and whatever other team. And it sounds like at this point it's probably Miami or the Clippers are the two yeah. biggest. Who knows? Like anybody can come out and, and trump any of their offers that Minnesota could take it. But it sounds like those are the two teams now. Yeah, and look, uh, as far as Sacramento's process. You've seen some success with it in Brooklyn, at least. You know they haven't mm-hmm. achieved anything as far as overall the overall standings are concerned. But there is a rebuilding process that Sean Marks implemented when he took over the team. That's it seems to be very successful, and that they you know they acquired high draft picks. They've got a number of players who were draw high draft picks. There's a chance there they also have cap space and flexibility, which is something that a lot of teams would want, including Miami. So I think for a team like Sacramento that's looking to emulate anything, Brooklyn's as good a role model as you're going to get. So it's nice to see that. That's a good point. Um, and look, again, at the time, big caveat, at the time of recording this, nothing on the Jimmy Butler trade uh, front has happened. Butler is still in Minnesota as we are talking. Um, but that's all we have for today. You can subscribe to Locked on NBA on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'll be back here next Tuesday. You can find us on Locked on Heat in the meantime. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.